This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Oh, howdy ho, officer. We've had a doozy of a day. There we were minding our own business. Just doing some chores around the house when kids started killing themselves all over my property. Well, were they psychos or... They look like psychos. Is that what they look like? They were vampires. Psychos do not explode when sunlight hits them. I don't give a fuck how crazy they are. So 1,100 men went in the war. 316 men come out. The sharks took the rest June the 29th, 1945. Well, what do we do? Why don't we just... Wait here for a little while. See what happens. Hey, everybody, welcome to Death Rattle Horror Podcast. A horror podcast hosted by two genre-loving ladies who are also already current podcasters. And thank you for listening to our first episode. This is just going to be sort of a getting-to-know-you episode. But before we get into that, I just wanted to mention that we are starting things off with a contest. So if you want to enter the contest, go into our show notes, click on the Facebook link, like the page, and the first person to send us an email, which details all of the movies in our Facebook page banner, will receive a special prize in the mail. It's going to be a surprise prize, because we don't know what it is yet. (laughs) So, we look forward to hearing from you guys. They are mostly pretty easy, but there are a few super weird ones, so... It'll be pretty amazing if you can get them all. Of course, if no one can get them all, the person that gets the most right answers will be the winner. That being the case, we'll probably end the contest at the end of the month. So, as I said at the top of the show, thanks for listening, and we are just going to introduce ourselves, our experience with the genre, our favorites, and that sort of thing, just so you can sort of get to know who we are as fans. So, I will go first. My name is Lil Stone. Not my real name. I also host Murder Under the Midnight Sun, Alaskan True Crime, and have my uh, fingers and toes in a variety of other podcast projects. 
And I'm a massive horror fan, have been since I was a pretty young kid. I was first introduced to it against my will, um, but some early sort of involuntary horror movie viewings led me to be the massive horror fan that I am now. That's me. How about yourself? So I am Jess Bradford, also obviously not my real name. I am a co-host on the podcast Murder Down Under, which is about murders in Australia. So we're kind of in the same sort of murders where we live sort of genre. Um, Underneath of things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're down under. You're you're underneath. That's good. Under the... um, (laughs) So I was not allowed to watch horror movies growing up, which meant that how I watched horror movies was through a mirror while I was hiding in a different room and my older brothers watched horror movies and they scarred me for life. And it wasn't until I was about like (laughs) 15, 16 that I actually started watching horror movies, still wasn't allowed to. And they, the movies I watched were like hostile and stuff, which I still don't enjoy. But Me neither. Um, when I hit about 18 slash 20, I finally started watching horror movies and having a really hard time finding something that actually scared me the same way that I was scared when I was a little kid. So I'm on the lookout for that without it being gory and also just like stuffing my face with as many as I can um, to make up for lost time. <laughs> That's a phrase I haven't heard used in uh, conjunction with watching movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stuff in my face. So, were you actually able to follow the movies that you watched in mirrors? Yes. Yeah. Were they like, you could hear what was going on? Yeah, and it was like arachnophobia and Jurassic Park and those kind of things. Yeah. So, like, I could definitely hear what was going on because, like, how it was set up is there's a room and then there's a hallway mirror and then the living room is right there and it's not that big of a distance at all. Like, it's basically oh, okay. like, yeah, it's nothing. That's so funny. Yeah. I always used to, like, try to, when I was, like, I don't know, five, my parents would say, you know, you gotta go to bed, you can't watch this movie. It was never horror films, but it was usually, like, for sexual uh mm-hmm. sexual content yeah i'd always they would face the tv and the stairs upstairs was directly behind them so i'd try to like peek up at the top of the stairs mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah same sort of thing so funny but it was always like terrible like stupid you know 90s um romantic thrillers mm-hmm. <laughs> not good movies but same sort of thing and then they just stopped caring and were like, here, you can watch, uh, here's, you can watch Evil Dead. Have fun. Good night. Sleep well. <laughs> oh, God. I know. My parents had, well, my, yeah, my parents had no real, I guess, rules about what we could not watch unless it was, like, sexy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then my, my dad started actively, you know, taking me to see rated R movies when I was a teenager. Um, So he was basically just like, you know, he has similar tastes. So he's like, 
Well, if you want to watch the same kind of movies, then I'm excited about it. I'm going to let you watch them. <laughs> For some reason, my dad let me watch Rocky Horror, but just skipped past the, like, touch-a-touch-a-touch-a-touch-me scene. But somehow it was okay for me to watch the rest of it. I'm completely amazed that your parents were watching that. Well, my dad was, like, the president of the drama club in high school and, like, responsible for setting it up and, like, went to Rocky Horror all the time because that was the age he was. Um, Like, midnight showings and stuff. So, like, there was this weird, like, my parents grew up very like pretty liberal um my mom grew up in okay uh virginia during like the vietnam war and was a huge hippie and my dad grew up in like this small town but was the president of the drama club and then they had me and something changed (laughs) i i think that is sort of how it's supposed to happen yeah um i think that it happens to a lot of people you know they get older they get money and suddenly they're a little bit Republican. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. And only girl and the baby, so, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Also, I did the exact opposite. I became a raging liberal at the age of 34 when I was a registered Republican at the age of 20. <laughs> yeah, I grew up very, very Christian and then realized that... Um, I wasn't straight and suddenly everything went out the door. Like, yeah, (laughs) that'll, that'll change a lot of things. Plus just meeting people from different backgrounds, you know? Yes. Makes you really reevaluate. But, um, it's funny in regards to my dad taking me off the topic of LGB, LGBT. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, my dad, uh, you know, he's taken me to all those great movies, and it's funny because when Ash vs. Evil Dead was getting ready to come out, he was, like, just as excited as me Aww. because, um, I know, we had watched uh, Evil Dead quite a bit over the years, and we ended up watching every single episode of that show together uh, over the last three seasons, and, man, it's there were some awkward parts to watch with your father because... <laughs> There's, I mean, there's, like, sexual humor, but also there's a lot of, like, body horror, you might say. Um, Not super awkward, but definitely, like, I, you know, like, this is uncomfortable. Um, But probably stuff I'd be uncomfortable watching with anybody that I didn't know well, you know, because it's, like, pretty, like, over the top. Mm -hmm. Like... I wouldn't want a stranger to know that a stranger that doesn't like horror movies to know that I find this hilarious when it's something extremely disturbing happening. (laughs) I was going to say, you're literally telling a bunch of strangers right now that you think it's hilarious, but, but hopefully they also thought that show was hilarious. Otherwise, I mean, they're probably not anybody that should be listening anyways. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, um, we were just going to introduce listeners, all five of you, to our, uh, basically our favorites from the genre. Uh, technically top five, but I'm sure we'll discuss more than that. Yeah. And just so you can kind of get a good idea about where our interests lie. 
Because if we say, you know, my top five is Hostel, one, two, three, Teristas, and like the Green Inferno, you might want to turn it off right now. <laughs> um, yeah. I actually tried watching Teristas recently, like a week ago, and I turned it off after a not very long time. Because it's never like, tried, never it's an will. Eli- it's an Eli Roth movie, but it takes place, like, in uh, South America. Mm-hmm. Or, let's pretend I didn't say South America, because I wasn't even paying enough attention to know where it took place. Yeah. Yeah, no. All right, so, we're just going to kind of do our top five. Would you like to start, or do you want me to start? Um, I can start. So, yeah, so, top five... As I've told you, now telling our listeners, top five is not actually, like, my top five favorite films, because I have a really hard time narrowing those down. Um, top five is more, like, top five films that made an impression on me, or mm-hmm. fit, the my, like, my favorite genres within the genre. Um, so I'm starting with Signs, which was the first horror movie, or, I, I feel like horror is not really the right thing for signs because it's kind of just really dumb um but it terrified me like it was the first one that I remember watching on purpose and I was at my cousin's house and it was dark and they lived out in the woods and it messed me up like it I I still have a hard time with alien movies because of it um I didn't watch alien like the movie alien until last night for the first time because of it. Whoa. Because that is how afraid of <laughs> aliens is, I am. Um, that is recent. Have you seen the sec- the sequel? Nope. No, no. Or, are you talking about the sequel? No, I'm talking about the very <laughs> first one. Um, okay. We'll, we'll probably right, watch the Aliens. the sequel gets intense. Yeah, we'll probably watch Aliens tonight or tomorrow. Um, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm binging them right now, but... Yeah, um, Signs. Signs messed me up. I really, really was afraid of, like, the kid's hand. Not the kid's hand, but the alien's hand when they're down, like, in a basement. I've only ever seen... Oh, yeah. I've only ever seen the movie once, but, like, I remember so vividly all of the parts that terrified me. Um, And I'm never going to rewatch it because I don't want to ruin that. Yeah, yeah. So Signs, for me, was my introduction um, to what I'm truly afraid of, which is aliens. So how old were you when they came out? I can't even remember. Or how old were you when you watched it? Um, I watched it when it had gone on to VHS, because I think it was still VHS at that time. Maybe it was DVD. Um, mm-hmm. It was the year it came out, though, and I don't know what year Signs came out. But I had to be like... I'm going to... I think it was, like, around 2003, maybe slightly earlier. I, I want to say it was earlier just for my own, like, just to feel like I'm a braver person. Because if it was 2003, <laughs> I was, like, in the fifth or sixth grade. Um, oh, which, okay. Yeah. Might have I been, mean, like, 99. That seems kind of right. It's, it's somewhere in the early 2000s. So I was somewhere between third and sixth grade when it came out and still very impressionable and like a sheltered little 
Christian kid who didn't have TV in my own house and wasn't allowed to watch horror movies. So it, it blew my mind. Yeah, it was pretty, I mean, a lot of people give it crap, but I really enjoyed it the first time I watched it. And I would argue that it's a, it's a pretty well put together movie. Um, and it was very entertaining, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of like tension. There's a lot of tension. They did it or he did it pretty well. I mean, obviously, um, Shamalan, uh, he's really good at tension. And, uh, this was before he totally went off the rails with the happening. So I, and honestly, <laughs> I love the happening. I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it's hilarious. Um, it is. Yeah, it is. It was before we were oversaturated with his movies and we knew that all right. of them were a twist. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it was before I got bored of the twist. He came back, man. Have you seen, uh, his recent movies, The Visit and Split? I saw Split, um, which I enjoyed. I, I mostly enjoyed because of the tie-in to, um, what is it, Unbreakable? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> Eh. I'm just kidding. It was from like three years ago. Yeah, whatever. There's going to be spoiler alerts um, all yeah. over in this. We're talking about horror movies. True. Um, yeah, there's going to be a third one. I'm pretty stoked because I loved Unbreakable. Yeah. I watched it many times. Uh, it was just, I don't know. I think because Samuel L. Jackson is just like, he makes everything better. <laughs> and it was like, the plot was, like, really interesting and cool and unique. Um, so, I'm stoked. But you haven't seen The, vis- the Visit? Um, there are so many movies with the same sort of name. It's a, uh, it's a really generic name. It's like these uh, teenagers go to visit their grandparents. No, I haven't and... watched that yet. We were trying to remember the name of that, like, two days ago because we wanted to oh, watch it. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll be watching it's, the This is comeback, soon. man. Yeah. We'll this be watching comeback. it. Soon. I I was surprised at how good it turned out. Um I thought it was going to be pretty generic and silly, but uh yeah, it got me and that was just like a year ago, so good. I definitely recommend watching it. Um it's like Shamalan back in uh full form. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yes. Okay, so what about you? Okay. What's the top for you? Okay, so my... Let's see here. I guess I should look at my list, lest I forget what my... Lest I get forget those five items. <sighs> let's see here. Okay, so my... Let's see, I guess the first one I'll mention is... Alright, Scream mm-hmm. was... Scream, every horror nerd knows that it was, like, such a, like, it was a groundbreaking movie, but it was also really good for the genre because, you know, um, 80s got, like, horribly oversaturated with slashers. Yeah. And towards the end of the 80s, like, there were not that many great horror films, and in the 90s, prior to Scream, there weren't that many... I can't think of a single one off the top of my head that was like a memorable, fantastic horror film from the early 90s, but I'm sure, I'm sure somebody out there 
can think of one. Yeah, someone loves something. Um, oh, yeah, certainly. But, I mean, Scream, Wes Craven just brought it back. Oh, and Kevin Williamson, he's the guy that wrote the script. Mm-hmm. First off, we both love true crime. Yeah. And it's it's based on, or inspired by, not based on at all, a true crime. Did you know that? No, I did not. I'm excited. Have you ever heard of Danny Rowling? No. He is one of the most disturbing serial killers I've ever heard of. Um, so I think around 1990, maybe a little earlier, at the University of Florida or Florida State. Mm-hmm. Somewhere down two, there. In, yeah. In Gainesville, he was this sort of like uh, kind of wasn't so much homeless as he was just living on the street, I guess you could say. Yeah. He was, I believe, in his 20s, and he had actually committed, like, a triple homicide in, um, I think, New Orleans, or at least Louisiana, either just prior to this or afterwards. Okay. And, well, he went and he murdered, like, five University of Gainesville students in extremely extremely macabre ways like mm. you're gonna have to google it i, I will i want to say how to it's horrifying I have, I have a feeling that <sighs> when you said gainesville gainesville i think i know what you're talking about and i just did not remember yeah. his name um yeah uh gainesville ripper i guess would be his name yeah um well, he, uh, yeah, he murdered these people. I think there was, like, two sets of roommates, maybe. And um, it was, like, four women and a man. Well, I think Williamson either lived in the area or maybe went to school there. And this inspired him to write uh, Scream, mm-hmm. which is obviously only so loosely based on it in that people are murdered. Yeah. <laughs> But um, when it came out, it was in, like, I think 1996. I was in 6th grade. I couldn't get anyone to take me to see it in theaters. So my friend and I bought tickets to go see, like, I don't know, Pocahontas mm-hmm. or something like that. I, I don't, <laughs> That just seems right. Um, and went to see that instead. And I was, like, mesmerized and also a little scared, I guess, because I hadn't seen many slasher films at all before that. Yeah. And, and it's on the big screen. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of uh there's a lot of blood in it and a lot of like it's pretty gross. I just remember at the very beginning when Drew Barrymore is like hung up in that tree for the like director's cut. I mean she had like her intestines hanging out oh. and it was shocking to a sixth grader, even one that already loved horror. Yeah. Or I guess I was in the seventh at this point. Um, and so it was like a bit of a thrill, you know, I'm doing something I'm not supposed to be doing and it was worth it. And, you know, it was like exciting. And there were so many uh, copycat movies and other movies that were sort of inspired by that and kind of after a while, obviously, oversaturated the whole meta-horror-type genre. 
Yeah. But, man, for, like, a few years there, there was some, like, great movies, and they're all because of Scream, you know? Like, mm-hmm. um, shout out to this other horror podcast, Alone in the Dark. They did an episode the other day about, where they discussed five movies from 1998, five horror films, and most of them were, like, you can see that they're, like, directly inspired by Scream, because it was, like, uh, the sequel to I Know What You Did Last Summer, um, Urban Legend, and there was just, like, endless, endless movies inspired by that, and it was kind of like Wes Craven's, uh, kind of renaissance, too, because, you know, he did some great movies in the early to mid-80s, like Nightmare on Elm Street, but in the late 80s, he had a couple of, like, bombs, Yeah, and so... Yeah, there was a couple that, like, were pretty bad, like, Deadly Friend? <laughs> it's like, it was like a murderous robot or mm. something? Um, <laughs> I can't even remember. It was really bad. But he bounced back but, hard um, with Scream. He bounced back hard with Scream and, you know, went on to do a pretty decent franchise. Like, they're all pretty watchable. and Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I've seen that movie... A stupid amount of times it always like uh sticks out of my head it's like one of my favorite horror films of all time even though it's not necessarily like scary anymore it's definitely gory and it was so innovative yeah that i mean it's just always going to be i think up there for a lot of people yeah myself included especially because of the whole experience of it's the only film I've, my first film I snuck into, and I think the only one I ever snuck into. A um, good choice. Yeah. It. Oh, have you seen all of those? Um, I've seen most of them, but I always get them mixed up with the scary movie franchise in my head because I saw them at the same time. So, like, I'm right. like, did that actually happen in Scream, or was that, like, a thing that they made fun of? Yeah, after a while, they became pretty interchangeable. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's a fun romp through. It really is, yeah. I mean, I'd say Scream 1, 2, and 4 are all pretty decent quality. 3 was a little ridiculous, but I'll still watch it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I will follow up with my lawless exposure to a movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first movie I ever, the first and only movie I ever stole from Blockbuster because I knew my mom wasn't going to let me check it out um, was Teeth. And I don't know why I didn't just go by myself because I was like a teenager at that point, point in time, but I think I just didn't have a job. So there was no way, because I was still a fairly young teenager, there was no way that like I was going to yeah. be able to check it out myself um, or rent it, I guess. Because Blockbuster was yeah. not a library. Um, if it right. was, I could have just gotten it by myself. Or I could have gotten it from the library. But that was not in my mind at that point in time. <laughs> at that point in time, I just really liked the idea of teeth. Um, and so I got it without even realizing what it was like fully about. And then I watched it while my mom was at work. And I loved it like i i loved the idea of like vagina dentata and like getting revenge on like people who are wronging you um and it had that perfect it's a perfect feminist movie 
Yeah, and it has that one guy who's like in everything who plays her stepbrother. I can never think oh, of his yeah, name, yeah. but he Actually, has like those dark eyes. His name is John Hensley. <laughs> I'm glad that you're on top of it. Um, I only know that because I saw him on like Rotten Tomatoes last night when I was looking for something else. <laughs> mm. Yeah, he's just in things, and he plays a bad. Yeah, he plays an asshole so well. Right. Yeah. He was in a uh, Nip Tuck. That's uh, yes! where I know him from mostly. Yes. Um, yeah. A show I was once obsessed with. Uh, Me too, for a very brief period of time. <laughs> I, di- I never finished it, but I watched, like, three seasons, like, I non-stop. It jumped the shark when uh, Anna Lynn McCord started having the relationship with, uh, like, Sean. Mm, because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is disturbing. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, but Teeth was good. And um, as someone who was, at that point in time, like, kind of getting away from, like, being involved in the church and, like, being more forced to go to church and stuff and dealing with bad, bad sex ed from my school system, I was, like, it really hit home with, like, having the stickers. So, like, oh, girls are just, you know, more modest sort of thing. Um, Which, no. No, wait, what stickers? So, like, when she's in her sex ed classroom, there's these gold. There are these gold stickers over like diagrams of like the vagina and everything like that in oh, their yeah. textbooks. And like, because she's like you know abstinence club and everything. I think she's in the yes. Um, they when someone's like, why is it covered? She like snidely tells someone, oh, it's just because girls are more modest or like something along those lines. Which, like, oh, yeah. no, you're, you're just being protected from this weird, toxic waste situation that's made your mother sick and you morph in this way. It's a weird yeah, movie, yeah. but I love it. I Yeah, I actually don't think I've seen it since I saw it in theaters, <laughs> which was like, uh, I don't know, 2009 or something. I think I got it and um, watched it, like, five times, and I have not seen it since. I should watch it again, though, because uh, I don't remember everything about it. I just remember, you know, the main mm-hmm. parts that are pretty memorable, where there's, like, dicks falling off. Yep. And it's a great feminist movie uh, in in retrospect, because, man, what woman doesn't want that power sometimes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, it's a good one to steal, though. I mean, did you, you kept it forever then? Um, I don't think I have it anymore because I think I put it somewhere where it got scratched and I got rid of it probably five years ago. So I had it for a really long oh. time. Yeah. I'm going to have to rewatch that sometime soon. Yeah, me too. Okay, cool. Yeah, it, it help you uh, sort of change your... I guess, thoughts on things? The, the thing was, I got it at the time where my thoughts had already changed, but I had no way of, like, expressing that to anyone because of what yeah, I was like, like. Yeah, so I had, like, my weird friend group who all grew up to be, like, queer punks um, that I was <laughs> friends with and, like, could watch that with them and stuff, but at home it was still very, like... Women are subservient? No, women are subservient, but just, like I said, only girl and the baby. 
and was yeah, definitely me too. expected me too. to remain that way for a while. Gotcha. Yeah, that's so funny. We're both only girls and the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, that is strange. I also was very, I mean, not totally sheltered as a kid, but to an extent, you know? Yeah. I had to, like, learn stuff as an adult that maybe I shouldn't have had to. <laughs> Yeah. My parents tried, but I was tricky. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let me look at my list because I literally need to look at it. Okay. The next one up I will discuss is Jaws, yes. which I've had, I've had a few people say, that's not a horror film, but it definitely is because I think horror, uh, like, above all others is a really flexible genre. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there might be certain movies that aren't, aren't scary in the like sort of supernatural slasher type sense of the word, but you could still kind of lump them into the genre. If anyone tells you they're not afraid of sharks, they're liars. What if they're, like, a shark themselves? I mean... <laughs> I don't... Can sharks talk? What world are we in? But you know what I mean? Like, Jaws, Jaws permeated culture so much that, like, if anyone pretends... I mean, I guess there are people who love sharks, but you're also, like, in awe and afraid of them. Exactly. And I think that, like, sort of cultural permeation is part of why people don't think of it as a horror film. Mm-hmm. Because it's a film that a lot of people see when they're pretty young. Um, it's like a classic film, which pretty much anyone is going to agree that it's a classic, yeah. whether they even like the genre or not. And it started the summer blockbuster. It was basically the first summer blockbuster. And it, it started a massive following of copycat movies that were like, you know, Giant Bear, Grizzly, uh, Piranha, you know, there was just like, after Jaws, there was like 15 years of like murderous animal movies. I mean, even right now we have what, (laughs) The Meg that came out or is coming out? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to see that immediately. Essentially Giant Jaws. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, totally. It totally, obviously there was... There was movies in, like, the 50s and 60s that was, like, nuclear waste hit this ant. Now this ant is massive and it wants to stomp on you. But I think Jaws elevated it to an art form because while it's, like, kind of silly to just describe the movie to somebody, in action of watching it, you can see that it's actually art. You know, it's mm-hmm. actually uh, an incredibly well-crafted and put-together film. And you definitely can't say that about movies like Them, which is like giant ants. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so I think that's part of the reason people don't consider it to be horror film. But it is. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's one of the first horror films I ever saw as a child. I watched all... I have no idea why... My parents were, like, renting these random weird movies, but we've watched all of the Jaws films, like, multiple times. And 
I think Jaws was kind of just always on TV, too. And so, I mean, I've seen that movie probably 50 times. I could still watch it right now if somebody offered. Um, it's just... the uh, There's a little part in it that I actually put in the intro to this podcast. Um, it's where... Have you, you've seen Jaws? Nope. I'm hoping. Nope. <laughs> oh my God. I'm too afraid of sharks. <gasps> I want to be able to swim in my life. I live in Australia now. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> so speaking of Australia slash great white sharks, did you see that article I posted yesterday on Facebook? About sharks eating There's... seals? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so for our listeners that are not psychic <laughs> or my Facebook friend, there's, I live in Alaska, and they've started to find se- seals that have, like, a flipper bit off, or, you know, they've got a huge bite mark in the side mm-hmm. of them, and they're thinking it might be great whites coming up to the waters near Juneau, which is uh, towards the south, and uh, they sent off, I guess, pictures or something, to a shark expert who said, yep, that looks like a shark bite. Oh, my God, yeah. But, yeah, without, I guess, further examination, they couldn't really explain what kind of shark they thought it was. But um, there's been, uh, I guess, there's been a great white uh, spotted in the area, like, once in the last 100 years, maybe. I hate it so much. So, well... It doesn't really bother me because I'm not planning to be swimming in the ocean here in Alaska. anytime soon. Yeah. I have, but definitely not at the depths where there would be a sh- that large of a shark. So, um, yeah, so now they're th- starting to think that the cooler or warmer water mm-hmm. kind of making its way up to Alaska is bringing great white sharks oh my God. up. And, yeah, it getting a new food source. And it's kind of scary. It's scary on a visceral level, but it's also scary environmentally yeah. <laughs> because, yep. I mean, that's a bad sign, but also it, it could totally screw up an entire, like, ecosystem, food chain yeah. thing. Um, so, yeah, that is related to sharks. <laughs> so, I say I've never seen Jaws, but thinking back on it, I think I had to have seen it as a child and just have forgotten because there's no reason other than if I had seen Jaws that I would be afraid of there being, like, sharks in my bathtub or sharks in the deep end of a pool or, like, sharks in a lake. Yeah. Like, I exactly I have been terrified of, like, sharks being in water as long as I can remember. And the only thing that I can think of that that fear would come from is seeing Jaws. Right, or somebody maybe, like, telling you, like, oh, you know, there's sharks everywhere, they're gonna get ya, but, Yeah, you know. but I had to be, I had to specifically be told <laughs> that there were no great white sharks in the ocean off of Washington State. Right, I gotcha. There's to not? To get me to swim. Sure? Yeah, <laughs> but maybe there are now. Thanks, I think there warming. are. Um, uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, I mean... It's sad because Joss was amazing. Obviously, Steven Spielberg is like, um, he's a film god. But it caused a lot of undue panic about sharks. Yeah. And it actually led to a lot of uh, sh- sharks being killed that 
obviously shouldn't have been. Yeah, they're just ocean um, bros hanging out. Yeah, they're ocean bros. Don't go in the ocean, bro, and the ocean bro won't get you. Yeah. Uh, I fully accept all risks I take whenever I go in the ocean, which mm-hmm. I also am both afraid of slash have a lot of great respect for sharks. And I'm, you know, I've been to Hawaii like a million times, and I've been snorkeling and everything, and I accept that there are sharks in the area, and I'm not going to, like, get mad at the shark if it bites me, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, (laughs) you've gone into its homeland. Exactly. That's why I don't go in the woods anymore, because bears be all eating people. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so that's Jaws. That was a bit of a tangent. Um, it's just, it's a perfect movie. It's, it's one of my favorite movies of any genre, if not my favorite. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you should definitely watch it as an adult. It's not actually, like, super scary unless you're doing the things that are causing these people to be bit by a great white. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think you're going to be, like, swimming in, like, deep water. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm safe. In Australia, safe. right? Pretty sure I'm safe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, fr- I'm going to Australia, and from Alaska, my current perspective, I can be like, yeah, I want to learn to scuba, and I want to go scuba diving in Australia. But once mm-hmm. I actually get there, I mean, might be a totally different story, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, my fiancé, Ben, who is my co-host, is currently trying to convince me to go with you to the Great Barrier Reef. So, oh my God, you should because I haven't done anything <laughs> touristy. I just moved here and like now I live here. You definitely should. I mean, it's it's a long journey. It's like yeah. uh, five hundred miles or so, four hundred, um, or shall I say kilometers? Uh, but yeah, you should go. But it might freak you out. I I mean, if you've never been snorkeling, it is. Very scary the first time you get underwater, but after a little while, you just kind of forget. I've never been snorkeling, but I'm a water baby. I'm also a water baby, and snorkeling is the coolest thing I've ever done in water. And, And, like, the way I see it is there's so many people around. There's going to be so many tourists that they're not going to go for me. They're going to go for somebody that's, like, twice my size and... You know, separated from the pack. (laughs) Yeah. I want to do it before the Great Barrier Reef is dead. So that's... This is just a horror podcast that's also, like, environmentalism. Um, But, yeah, I want to to do it before the Great Barrier Reef is gone. Forever. Exactly. Exactly. And, I mean, it's like a a once-in-a-lifetime experience, as I see it. Yeah. Um, I'm scared to death of sharks. I'm scared of poisonous jellyfish Mm -hmm. and... Things like that, but I'm still going to go to Australia and the Great Barrier Reef because it's a once in a lifetime experience. The ocean is so cool here. It's just so cool. Um, I bet. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. You'll enjoy it. <laughs> I will not want to leave. Okay. So I am on number three. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, number three, I wrote a list and then I promptly lost that list because I didn't think I needed it anymore. And so I think the list has changed. Oh, yeah. We already recorded this, you guys, by the way, in case you were wondering. (laughs) Yeah. That's why it was, like, supposed to go up before. But I had a bunch of audio issues where I lost episodes of my other podcasts. And my computer just 
completely freaked out and didn't record it correctly. So we're doing this again. Um, but yeah. So I'm going with the killing of a sacred deer, which I might have wow. gone with um, last time. You did not. Okay. You did not. So actually, maybe you did, but we talked I don't about think so it because I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it at all. Yeah, we talked about it. It's by the same director who did The Lobster, which is also a great movie. Um, but I hated it. I loved it. <laughs> I, like I love being unsettled. And uh, yes. so watching The Killing of a Sacred Deer, if you've seen The Lobster but haven't seen The Killing of a Sacred Deer, there's the same sort of jilted dialogue in it that starts out like, why are they talking like that? No one talks like that. These are great actors. Why are they performing this way? And then it kind of like it opens with this. I want to say it's like operatic or like orchestra music and like an open chest cavity that's having surgery performed on it and like a beating heart and it is gorgeous like it's just a gorgeous movie but it made it made me feel so uncomfortable watching it um just through the use of the music through the use of like the cinematography through how the actors just gave their performances it wasn't anything happening in the movie that made me so scared and uncomfortable um, like there was some stuff that I was like, uh, but how I reacted to it, I thought that I was in Canada, so there was no way that someone was going to come into this movie theater with a gun, but I was convinced that like the person behind us was going to just kill everybody. And if I didn't like uh. tell Ben at that moment that I loved him, I'd never get to tell him again. And then that passed. Aww. I didn't tell him. So I don't know what that says about anything. Um, But that moment passed. And then I became convinced that either my mother had died or my father had died. And I needed to leave the theater and check, like turn on my cell phone and check it or just wait until the end and enjoy those last few blissful, I guess not blissful because I was so uncomfortable, but like of not knowing whether someone had died or not. Like it, it masterfully did this just deeply unsettling panic response for me. And I loved it. Like. <laughs> it's hard to do. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, and it did it really, really, really well. Like, I don't know if I love yeah. the movie or hate the movie itself, but the feeling it just had an effect. Yeah. It had a very visceral effect on me. Um, that's interesting. I've heard uh, extremely mixed reviews about that movie. Yeah, like I think if what I what I say about it is, if one thing went differently, I would have walked out and not watched it. Like, and it wasn't a pin, a thing that I could pinpoint, but there was something uh-huh. about it that made it not the worst movie I've ever seen, and actually put it up there with like one of the most memorable movies I've ever seen. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I've i had that feeling before about a movie, but it actually wasn't a technically horror movie. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the movie uh, Prisoners? No, that's the one with Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah? Yeah, that movie made me, like, have almost uh, over... Uh, it, it made me have a borderline anxiety attack for, like, four hours afterwards. I was so yeah. tense. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it was that it same was like, feeling. It's like this, 
Yeah, and it's like, I don't even know. It's like, that movie is totally unrelated to my life in any any possible mm-hmm. aspect, you know. I'm not experiencing anything similar to it, so it's not like anything, um, like, it's, it's not like I'm making a comparison of yeah. some kind. It was just that the acting was incredible. It's, uh, God, it's uh, Hugh Jackman, um, the guy from Paul... The guy that is plays the twins and there will be blood. Um, mm, um, Jake, Paul Jake Dano, Dano. Yeah, 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 yeah. Paul Dano. My I boy sucks right now. Um, and it's basically like this guy's like daughter gets kidnapped or something, mm-hmm. and like the person he thinks did it, he's holding him hostage and like beating him up like throughout, and it's so fucking tense. Oh, yeah. It, I'm actually getting chills as I think about it because. Um, I don't know. It was just something about the kind of combination of the actors, like, against each other. That was, like, it was, it was good, but I never want to watch it again because it made me so anxious. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, sounds like a similar type of vibe. I may watch that movie at some point. I just couldn't tolerate the lobster. So I, that's why I have not. Uh, made an effort to watch it, even though I have heard really good things. I saw The Killing of a Sacred Deer before I saw The Lobster, so seeing The Lobster and knowing how he does film from The Killing of a Sacred Deer, The Lobster was suddenly, like, just such a comedy. Right, yeah. That I enjoyed it. It was, like, the relief I needed after watching Sacred Deer. (laughs) I don't know. I think... I think it was the uh, dog scene yeah. that made me, like, turn it off because I I just can't do that. It's a weird, weird, <laughs> weird, weird movie. Um, it is. It is. But I'm a weird, 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 weird Anyways. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> well, so am I. But, you know, weird in certain ways. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, is it my turn? I think it's yeah, my it's turn. You. Since Prisoners is not a horror movie, I just felt like discussing it in depth. <laughs> um, I mean, it could be a horror I'd movie. I'd consider but... it, it's a horror movie in my brain. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, that's what I'm saying. It's like horror is such a malleable like genre. I mean, Saving Private Ryan, as I previously mentioned, could be a horror film. Because um, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's really hard to like pin down an exact... Uh, definition all right let's see my next one is actually i think i'll just god i think i'll just do my next two together since they kind of work together so the first one is evil dead 2 which i explained to you last time is actually just a remake of evil dead Mm -hmm. because i have not seen any of the evil dead (sighs) franchise Because I'm right. Everybody that's listening, you should hound her to watch them all. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to. I promise. Um, I don't know why they like why they named it Evil Dead Two. Makes no sense because it's the same movie, but with a with slightly different plot and different characters or different Mm -hmm. actors. Um, so the I mean, they're both great. I don't even know why I picked two other than. I don't know. I think it's slightly funnier, maybe. Um, but I'm assuming that most people have seen it. Basically, they go to a cabin in the woods, and 
there's supernatural evil in the area and all of his friends start becoming zombies. Ow, mm-hmm. I spit my tongue. Maybe oh. I shouldn't spoil this for you, but it's like 40 <laughs> years old. <laughs> um, Bruce Campbell is just, you know, he's like one of the best horror icons out there with Ash, Ash Williams. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I love that movie because it's really funny. It's like, it's campy. It's ridiculously campy, but it's, it knows that it is. And it inspired tons and tons of, uh, copycat, like cabin in the woods type movies. Um, I'm sure at some point in the seventies prior to this movie, there was some sort of cabin in the woods type movie, but I can't think of it because this is the earliest one I know of. I would love to hear from anybody telling me about a different one. So it kind of started this whole subgenre of horror, like, you know, cabin, a cabin in the woods and, there's a bunch of, like, frisky teenagers. I mean, obviously, Friday the 13th was sort of the same. Yeah, but, but that's like a summer camp. Yeah, and it's it's a much larger, like, I guess, canvas for your film and a lot more characters. Mm-hmm. I think, like, I like movies, like, of any genre that sort of take place in, like, basically one location with just a few people because you really have to be a really good actor to sort of make it work. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's why I love like, dial M for murder. Cause it all takes place in yes, one room. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. It's like, you have to be a really good actor to sort of distract the audience from the fact that you've been in the same exact spot yeah. for like the last two hours. Um, and you have to kind of have good, sort of, uh, I guess, camaraderie, but also chemistry between actors, because if you don't, it's just going to fall flat, essentially. Um, Like the movie Devil. (laughs) Um, And so, like, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, they both just did it so well. Uh, The first one, I think there's, like, six people. The second one, I think there's, like, maybe eight at the most. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just... It takes place mostly in the cabin, but there's also some parts in the surrounding areas, but it's a very small area. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, what's that? I um, figured out what my, why I know stuff about the Evil Dead that I didn't realize I know. It's because oh, yeah? there's one of those like joke pornos called the Evil oh. Head. <laughs> and it's the worst thing I have ever seen. Like, it's not... There's nothing sexy about it, and there's nothing sexy about it on purpose. That's hilarious. But there's, like, tree branches and, like, a duct tape dildo hand instead of, like, chainsaw or something like that. And so that's... Gotcha. That's that's, funny. um, Yeah, if you ever want to waste some time and just get really drunk and watch (laughs) something really, really, really bad, I recommend that to anyone. Um, Wow. I had no idea that existed. That's so It's, funny. like, full length, too. Um, like, it, they, like, recreated wow. the movie, kind of. It's long. It's so bad. That's crazy. I blocked it There's out of my mind. There's also a musical now. Yeah, yeah. That's probably much and better. And I really want to see it. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Um, so, 
you know, much like much like I mentioned last time with Jaws, it's like sort of uh, weird sort of problems, I guess, with the film actually ended up making the film so much better. Mm-hmm. So like the, you know, mechanical shark was not working well, so it caused extra sort of tension and not seeing the shark till like way late in the movie. Yeah. So I actually have read a book about the making of Evil Dead 1 and 2 uh, written by Bruce Campbell. Oh, cool. And yeah, it's a really good book. He's hilarious. And it's just interesting because, you know, well, at least for the first one, they're trying to make it with an extremely low budget. I don't remember how low it was. I think like, I don't know, $50,000 maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, they used, like, Sam Raimi's personal car, which went on to be in, like, a whole bunch of Sam Raimi movies. And, um, you know, that's kind of why they made this movie in, like, this one location. And it was, like, this small, crappy cabin in, like, the Tennessee woods. And also they had to figure out how to get different shots and different, um, you know, set up different... Mm -hmm. uh, ways of filming that either they didn't have the money for, didn't have the equipment for, that kind of thing. And so they really had to, like, I guess, jerry-rig a lot of things. Yeah. You know, they um, they were doing it totally on the cheap, and it made it, like, a better movie than if it had been all, like, slick and polished. Uh, and I think that's why a lot of people really love it, and it's because it's so silly they're not trying to be, like, terrifying. You know, they're trying to make it kind of scary, but it's also ridiculous. And a lot of it's kind of tied into, like, their silly special effects. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's funny because sort of some cost-saving measures actually led to this, like, I- it being a bit more iconic than yeah. it probably would have been. And inspired a ton of movies that uh, are very similar, much like my next movie, which, I mean, I deliberated not putting them both on the list, but I couldn't choose between them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Cabin in the Woods, which is, uh, it's its own, you haven't seen that, right? Nope. Oh, it's so good. It's It's basically, you know, from Evil Dead 2 to Cabin in the Woods, there's like, I don't know, 35, maybe a little bit less years of X amount of takes on the genre of mm-hmm. a creepy cabin in the woods. Um, and so, you know, Cabin in the Woods, you know, uh, it was Joss Whedon directing. No, it was Joss Whedon who wrote it, yeah. and it was Drew Goddard that directed. So they gave it just a super generic name, and totally reinvented the genre. Not so much reinvented, sort of turned it on its ear. Um, you know, whereas in Evil Dead 2, it's all this, like, internal focus. What you realize... I'll try not to spoil it for you, okay. even though it's a few years old, because the fun of the movie is the twist. Yeah. So, in Cabin in the Woods, the focus of the movie turns out is actually external, which that's as much as I'll say. Okay, okay. Um... And, like, sort of the presumed... It's weird because the first time I watched it, I'm like, well, I heard this was really good, and so far it's, you know, seems identical to, like, five other movies. Yeah. Um, and they kind of set it up that way purposely so that when the twist hits, you're like, 
oh, okay, I can see why they did that. Um, it's almost like a trick, I guess. Okay. Because it's almost like a trick, I would assume, for when the first people went to see it in theaters, myself included. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like, all right, well, you know, Joss Whedon's associated. I love horror movies. Yeah. This is generic, but it's but it's fun. And then it turns out to be, like, a totally different movie, like, a hundred percent beyond what you were expecting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's so much fun. It's got some great actors and actresses in it. It's got some of my favorite Joss Whedon people in it. Um, yeah, I mean... I'll watch it directly after we do this podcast, because I don't want to do anything today. You should definitely do I that. I will. Um... And I guess you could say that the way that they made it, there's not going to be, like, 20 sequels. Nice. And uh, it's just this nice little standalone film. Um, It's got Fran Kronz in it, who I have the biggest crush on. (laughs) Do you know who who that is? Um, no. Potentially. Have you seen Dollhouse? Yes. (laughs) He's the, like, nerdy computer guy. Okay, okay. Yeah, he's a stoner in this movie, but um, it's got Amy Acker. It's got it's got Tom. Wait, what's his name? The guy from Buffy, the nerd, Tom Hink. <laughs> the nerd from Buffy. God, he's. I'm sorry. I have my memory sucks right You're now. You're fine. Okay, you know the you know the three nerds in Buffy. One is Jonathan. Oh, the one, one of them gets flayed alive, and then there's the other two. Oh, Tom Link. That's his name. Okay. <laughs> My memory's terrible. Anyways, he's in that movie. Um, and I think there's a few other uh, sort of Whedon I, universe yeah. actors. So, especially if you're a fan of Joss Whedon, you will love it. Okay. Okay. I, I'm yes. sure I will. I just need to sit down and that's do it. That's my rigging endorsement. <laughs> um. Okay, so I guess I have to. I have to I'm tell done you about talking one about here. cabins. Um, <laughs> so, how many am I on? This is gonna be my last one, just because. Yes, it is. I did two at once. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was gonna do creep one and two, but listening to you talk about cabin in the woods made me think, and how the end is a twist that is a totally different movie than the movie you thought you were signing up for. Um, uh huh. I'm going with 10 Cloverfield Lane because I never yes. watched. So I know Cloverfield's about like alien or monster or something, but I never watched it because it has the same camera work as like Blair Witch Project, which just makes me feel sick. Yes. And there was no way I was going to subject myself cam. to that. Yeah. Um, so it's, it might even be worse than Blair Witch. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I, I didn't subject myself to that. I tried watching a little bit of it. Couldn't do it. Um, but finally sat down and was forced, basically, um, to watch 10 Cloverfield Lane because it has Jonathan Gallagher Jr., um, who I love from the newsroom and also, like, Spring Awakening and the movie Hush, if we want to take it back to uh, horror movies. Love him. Love him to death. Yeah. Won a Tony when he was super young. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it has my girl, Ramona Flowers, um, Whose name I can never remember until I say Mary Ramona. Elizabeth yep. Winstead. <laughs> as soon as I say Ramona Flowers, I know who she is. Um, who I love, right, Scott yeah. Pilgrim, and also my favorite movie of all time, which is Swiss Army Man. She's in it. Good <laughs> stuff. Um, 
And then John Goodman, because who doesn't fucking love John Goodman? Um, so, Absolutely nobody. I, I would date him, as I told you previously, would date. <laughs> I, I told you he could be my dad. Could not date him. Could be my dad. Um, so, well, I, I mean, same difference. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, what? I, I sat down and watched it. Um, yeah. Uh, God damn it. Now I'm just thinking about calling John Goodman daddy, and it's, it's not a good time <laughs> in my head. I sat down, watched it, and I was like, oh, okay, so this is what hap- This is what's happening. This is what's happening. This is this. And, like, forgot that it was a Cloverfield movie. Right, yeah. And I'm terrified of aliens. So it managed to hit, like, I'm, I would be horrified of being stuck underground with strangers that I don't know. Also really afraid of aliens. So I, like, yeah, settled yeah. in, thought I was good, and then the end happened. And it ended in such a, like good open way um yeah it was it was just really good it was really really enjoyable and i loved not being able to fully guess like i could get in the ballpark of what was going on but couldn't actually my guesses were always wrong right yeah um it really balanced uh psychological horror and like you know, in-your-face alien horror. Like, yeah. really well. Really, really, really well. And, and I loved it. I almost thought there was going to be, like, no real um, obvious payoff in the end. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was going to actually show what was really happening. But no, it did immediately, like, yeah. <laughs> five seconds after she gets out. And it was, like, it was, like, hype, hyping, hyped you up. I was like, oh, my God, yes. Oh, and I wanted the movie to go on for another hour. Yeah, it, like, it ended, and I was like, okay, so the sequel happens now, right? Like, I can just play the next half. It's suddenly, like, The Walking Dead, but with aliens. Right, yeah. Um, um, it was, I saw it in theaters with my dad, mm-hmm. and, uh, I mean, I had absolutely no idea what the plot was, I guess. I yeah. think I saw it, like, maybe the day it came out. I just knew, like, who was in it. So I was like, okay, weird little, you know, sort of psychological thing going on here. I have no idea why this movie is called this. And then there's, like, these weird little sort of, I guess, Easter eggs that are slipped in here and there. Yeah. And it's cool because it's, like, three plots together. It even more that you kind of get a glimpse of the other plots, like... When she sees the, uh, like, blood on the window thing, Mm -hmm. where obviously somebody's been, like, uh, hitting it, and she sees, like, scratches, um, there's, like, something subtle going on underneath, and it makes you sort of uneasy because you can't really figure out, like, um, like I had mentioned, it's, like, it's, it's fun to watch it, and kind of watch it from the mindset of John Gallagher Jr. is the bad guy. Yeah. And it's a whole different movie. It's really cool. Uh, But when you're watching it, you know, just like straightforward, you're like, so is John Goodman, is he helping her? Is he crazy? You know, like, is there something really going on outside that he's trying to keep her from? Yeah. Like, was he originally planning to abduct her and then this thing happened? Exactly. It's so well-crafted. 
I totally agree with you. Sorry, I took that over because I got that's all totally fine, girly. <laughs> that's totally fine. Um, yeah, it's it's so enjoyable. I want there to be a sequel, like right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I'd still need to check out the it. Netflix Cloverfield Experiment or whatever it is, dude. Um, don't bother. Don't bother. Don't bother. I thought so. I thought so, um, it, but I was hoping. <laughs> Um, I heard that there's supposed to be uh, another one coming out later this year. Mm. I think it's related to, like, World War II in some way. Um, can't remember what it's called, but the Cloverfield Paradox was terrible. Okay. Like, it looked really bad, It but was I... like... <laughs> yeah. It was, like, uh, the film equivalent of, like, painful, like, blue balls. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Cool. I'll just check yeah. that off my list. No, no bothering. Yeah. I know that some people liked it, but I mean, I'm thinking that sort of like maybe their expectations were a little lower. Yeah. Maybe they didn't like passionately love 10 Cloverfield Lane yeah. as much. I don't know. But it was silly okay. and not good. Okay. <laughs> oh man, that scene in 10 Cloverfield Lane where John Goodman like puts on the music, and it's like, I can't think of what the song is. Mm-hmm. Can you remember the song? Um, no. And it's all, like, pe- it's, like, peppy. Yeah, it's on the jukebox or whatever he has down there. Is it a jukebox? Or yeah. Just a- I think it's a jukebox, and I think it's, like, some sort of peppy, like, 1960s yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like it would be, like, played in a 60s movie where things are happy. Right, yeah. Oh man, that was that whole scene was like so memorable, and it's like it was such a really cool sort of, I guess, juxtaposition to like the mm-hmm. rest of the movie, and it almost gives you this like brief sense of okay, maybe things are going to be okay, but then almost immediately after the song ends, it goes back to like it's like Ugh. yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, things are not okay. <laughs> yeah, things are immediately like nope, you're not okay. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it when filmmakers, like, use music that way to sort of kind of convey a weird mood that you can't really put into words. Um, A use of music I really liked recently, we should talk about this in another episode, is the use of music in (laughs) films, but... Yes, oh my god, I really what 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 was John Krasinski's movie called? A Quiet Place? Uh, yes, Krasinski, yes. Yeah, I really enjoyed the use of the one song. Also... It didn't hurt that they're a married couple in real life, so they were able to sell being in love. Like, I don't remember the song. Um, it's, I barely remember that movie. I want to say I want to say it's a Neil Young song. Um, that is, they are, is it when they're like slow dancing? They're slow dancing, and it's the one use of like music in it, just to yeah, like yeah yeah. I don't know why I loved it so much, but it was just a nice break. Yeah, it was exactly sort of the same kind of thing. It's like a nice little momentary, everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I um, really dislike that movie. Don't hate me. <laughs> oh, I don't hate you for it at all. It, it, it's a weird... I hated a lot of things about it. I loved a lot of things about it. I don't know where yeah. I stand. Yeah. I think I just expected to love it too much. It was a little preachy for me. 
it was have have you ever read bird box no i have not okay i i really feel like this movie was inspired by that book mm-hmm. because that book's about like a mom and two kids and they're in this world ugh, this weird post apocalyptic world where they can't open their eyes mm. so it's like the same thing but slightly different uh you know obviously the sound translates a lot better to film yeah um and it's basically like if they open their eyes they can see the <clears throat> monsters around them and the monsters will know that they've been spotted it'll uh, like put them in danger so yeah. it felt uh it felt extremely similar to that book which is an incredible book um so i think i was like kind of over had high expectations higher expectations than like going in with uh no nothing to compare it to yeah i really enjoyed it but the whole like father sacrifice thing kind of like i mean sorry it's a fairly freak recent movie but if you haven't seen it yet (laughs) whatever um don't listen it felt a little too like religious allegory e for me which i know is probably yeah. just about a father's love for their children but also i ended up leaving the movie googling is john krasinski a christian just to be like is this like <laughs> for god so love the world sort of thing and that kind of i got i got if you can't tell i have some issues around the church and that kind of threw it for me a little bit um not that there aren't lovely christians i just church does things for me well it's also really just con- i thought the ending felt contrived not yeah. for that specific reason but mostly because it was like a sort of paint by numbers like here's mm-hmm. exactly what's going to happen yeah. um and i don't know i just didn't really i didn't really i left the movie or no i i turned the movie off googling yeah. did john krasinski and emily blunt have children because i did not buy them as parents <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was just because they 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 did a lot of things that uh, sort of put their children in more danger and didn't do things that I kind of thought would be sort of obvious to yeah. not put their kids in danger. Um, it just seemed like they were like this movie would make more sense if it took place like two months after this whole thing happened instead of like what eighteen months or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just seemed like they didn't really prepare well for it in that time period. I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Um, there were a lot of things. Uh, so like to circle back to signs for a second, this wasn't even one of my movies <laughs> and here we are talking about it. circle back to signs for a second. That's like fine. in signs, her water glasses are everywhere and you don't really yes, realize yes. what's going on. But in. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. A quiet place. This is huge spoiler. Um, in a quiet place, like her um, implant in her ear was just very obviously like 
they were showing us over and over and over again that, like, it was a weapon against these alien things. Like, yeah, yeah. To the point where I just was like, okay, so when is she going to fucking use it? I know. Oh, yeah, it was kind of a little too obvious, I I think. Um, There was just, like, certain measures of protection they could have taken with that huge, you know, plot of property Mm -hmm. that they had. And, you know, he had the, uh, the silo and it just seems like they didn't make very good use of space. Yeah. (laughs) It's like they never had a farm before and then suddenly they had one. Right. Yeah. It's like, um, why didn't they sort of reinforce their house? Why didn't they try to construct something like right around their house? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was just a lot of stuff that I'm like, if I had 18 months and like, never-ending time, I feel like I could have come up with more methods of protection. Yeah. 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 So anyways, John Krasinski, mm, you suck. I mean, good try. (laughs) Good try, though. Well, I heard there was going to be a sequel, and I'm like... How? I I get sick. Well, I mean... Yeah. You know, there's there's still people left. Yeah. Uh, Doesn't need to be. I hate it when any successful movie, especially a horror film comes out and immediately there's like talk of a sequel Mm -hmm. i think some films stand much better as a solo film and sequels actually almost make them worse i would say Um, most films stand better as one shot yeah yeah it's like if a film is like well done uh i don't want to see that exact same sort of formula like diluted down and down and down into you know, 10 more films yeah. trying to capture the same sort of magic. Yeah. I'll just watch the same one again. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even want to see a remake. I just want to see the one that I watched before. Right. Which actually leads me to my next movie because it is a remake. But it is probably one of the very few remakes that most people don't know was a remake because most mm-hmm. people haven't seen the original. <laughs> okay. So it's 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 funny because I just said how I hate, like, source material being sort of like I guess sort of mined again and again and again until it's like you know it's like just it becomes terrible after a while but the next my last film and if Jaws wasn't a horror movie this would be my favorite horror film it's based on it's based on a film which is based on a like short story (laughs) it's called The Thing And it is, like, it's just, like, a perfect film. And I think it's a movie that a lot of, um, sort of, effects nerds think about when they think of, like, the best use of, like, practical effects. Um, So, for you and, like, the other four people that haven't seen this film, (laughs) there's these scientists at, like, Antarctica Research Station, and one day this helicopter is like flying over by their station erratically chasing a dog shooting at the dog the dog gets away and the helicopter crashes there you have it in like two minutes is an incredible way to set up a film and set up like a weird mystery like what just happened and uh it was the um i think swedish it was like swedish uh scientists that were flying and crashed So, chasing a dog. 
So they're like, well, that was weird. Maybe we should figure out what just happened. But um, everybody's dead in the in the in the crash. Everybody's dead. They have they keep the dog, and then they send some of them over to look at the Swedish research station, see if anybody's there. What's going on? And they find that there's like a bunch of them are dead. There's uh, obvious signs that something crazy has happened. Um, so, uh, I guess, spoilers a little, <laughs> they keep the dog, you know, they're in the Antarctica, so they have, like, uh, huskies. So they keep the husky, they throw it in with their other huskies, and not too long later, they notice that, <laughs> they, they casually notice that the husky has, um, is mutating, and... Oh. It's got, like, these... Man, I don't want to spoil this for you, but uh-huh. I have to explain it ever so slightly. Spoil it for me. I don't mind I, spoilers. Okay. I do. <laughs> but, I mean, if a movie came out, like, 40 years ago and I haven't seen it yet, you can spoil it for me. It's, um, yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the dog has sort of, like, mutated, and it's... I'm trying to explain it, like... It's hard to explain. It's, like, mutated, and it's kind of sort of started to, uh, like, something inside of it is breaking out of the dog's skin, and Uh it's becoming very large, and it's got, like, these sort of tentacle things that are uh, lashing a self. Okay, I hate it when dogs die in movies, Uh but I'll make an exception for this movie because it's so good, and it's also not realistic in any way. (laughs) So it's got these, like, tentacles, and it's lashing itself to these different dogs and, like, um, infecting them as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, they managed to sort of uh, kill off all of the craziness that's happening in there, but they start to realize that the dog was infected by some sort of alien life form that can disguise itself as whatever... Uh, host it's in so it could be a dog yeah it could be a it could be a person um so uh people start to sort of reveal that they're infected and um you know everybody is getting extremely paranoid because there's really no way of telling who is who because when it infects a person it's able to perfectly uh disguise itself and It'll talk like the person. It will have. It'll have the knowledge that the person has. Yeah. So it's like basically impossible to tell who is infected and who's not. They're stuck in Antarctica. They have like no real way. I don't remember the exact reason they can't just like get out of there, but I think it's sort of like they don't start to worry until it's already too late. Yeah. Because it's yeah, it's like there's a lot of like tension building and it's cool because the music was actually done by um what is his name it's the guy that did all the music for all the classic spaghetti westerns Mm. like um the good the bad the ugly it's lucio lucio something morcone yes lucio morcone (laughs) okay why is my memory failing you're better um, than me at the names. I can't, for the life of me, remember anyone's. I either don't remember character names or I don't remember the actor's name. Well, 
I used to have, like, uh, basically encyclopedic movie trivia skills, so my yeah. memory recall has uh, gotten terrible. Also, you're it's still a John doing Car- great. <laughs> it's a John Carpenter movie, by the way. Okay. And it was only about, I think, four years after Halloween, so it was cool because mm-hmm. he went in a totally different a totally different direction. You know, he did a here's a slasher, now we're going to be doing an alien horror movie in Antarctica. Um, and so it's got Lucio Morricone. That might not even be his name, but you get the idea. <laughs> it's what we're um, going with. So he does really good music. It just, uh, the music is like, I just heard a little snippet of the music the other day, and it totally like gave me like, chills like of how good that movie is (laughs) and um okay so basically the music and the actors they all sort of help uh build tension it's got um kurt russell's the main guy it's Mm -hmm. got uh keith david who's in like every movie in the 80s it's got uh who's that like guy that's been like old for like old for like 40 years (laughs) and Um. he's like uh does he used to do all the, like, like I think, diabetes commercials. Do you know who I'm talking Walter about? Walter Brimley? That's yes. Not his name. That's not his, his name? name? But that's that's who I'm talking about, but that's not his name. No, <laughs> but, that's, but that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> yes, that's who it is. I can't think of what his name is, though. Um, he's in it. There's, like, a couple other sort of recognizable people, but everybody else is sort of, like, I don't know who any of they are. Any mm-hmm. of them are. Um, so it's kind of cool because, I mean, you only sort of recognize a few actors, and so it kind of adds to the tension and the paranoia, because many of them are, are just sort of, like, generic looking, and so it's, it really is hard to tell, like, is this person Walter Cromwell? No. Wilfred Brimley? (laughs) Yes, that's him. Wilfred okay. Brimley. Good job. I knew it was we a got W. There. <laughs> I just had to think about old guy names and diabetes. You know that guy that's been old for 40 years? Yep. I Yes, I do now. It's funny Wilfred because Brimley. in this movie, he's almost indistinguishable in appearance than how he was like five years ago. <laughs> he looks like the same level of old. Anyways. Uh, so the movie is like a perfectly sort of crafted exercise in paranoia and tension. Um, they're stuck in this one small location. There's really no escape unless they like run off into the snowy darkness. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you don't know who you can trust. Like, you don't even know if you can trust like your best friend or whatever. Like, because they are so good at disguising themselves as this person. With all it's the memories te- and stuff. Exactly. So it's like, yeah. uh, sort of like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. Um, except in the Antarctica. <laughs> and um, it's funny because you were saying how aliens are scary. Being trapped with people you don't know is scary on yeah. the ground. It's like all of that combined. Yep. Yep. And it sounds like the ultimate terrifying terror fest for me i know that's why i'm good i'm like am i gonna be able to convince you to watch this movie yes yeah (laughs) and it's funny because we're talking about like use of songs Mm -hmm. uh in the very beginning of the song or 
in the very beginning of the movie, when everything's all happy and cheery, they're listening to the song Superstitious, Superstition mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder. And yeah. every time I hear that song, I will only think of this movie. <laughs> it's like inextricably uh, linked in my head. Um, God, that was a very long ramble because I'm not finding my words well right now, but it's so good. Um, I have the hardest time choosing between that and like Halloween as the best John Carpenter movie, but I, I love Halloween. I think it's awesome. And it's also another example of music being used incredibly well, but I think the, I think the thing sort of edges it out. Um, it also ties in a 10 Cloverfield Lane because they, for some reason, made a prequel starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead. <laughs> hmm And it was terrible. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I hated the idea of it just because the original is only scary because, well, it's only scary at the beginning because you have no idea what's happening or, like, yeah. what what led to this event. And then they made a prequel that just shows you absolutely everything, you know? And you, you don't need it. Right. Yeah, exactly. You don't need it. Um, so never watch it. <laughs> I won't. I love okay. her, but I won't. I yeah. one time made a joke like, man, I heard one time they were going to make a prequel to this movie, and it's a good thing they never did because that would have been awful. And I had all these people that were like, you know they made a prequel to that. <laughs> Oh, no. I know. I was like, that was a joke. Anyways. (laughs) The end. (laughs) Yeah. Good thing they never made it. It's not real. Doesn't exist. Exactly. I'm like, and I really went over the top with it, too. I was like, man, that would have been the worst movie ever made. (laughs) Like, exactly like that. Obviously, I know it's real. (laughs) All right. I think that's my last movie. Yeah, I can't remember if I did four or five. Um, what's the last one I, you just mentioned? Um, Cloverfield. Cloverfield. So I, I did think teeth, you did five. Teeth signs. Sacred deer. Um, sacred deer and Cloverfield. Oh, do you have another one? <laughs> I do. Um, I, it was okay. the one that I was replacing with Cloverfield because I, I I was replacing Cloverfield with because I thought that I had already done. For others, but it's just oh. quick. It's one. It's one you've seen. It's one I've seen. It's one I've already mentioned, and it's two movies, and it's Creep One and Two, just oh, because yeah. <laughs> it it has the comedy aspect. It ha- it does the like found footage or whatever. It's not really found footage, but it does that aspect really well. Yeah, um, it, it keeps really you. Does. It keeps you guessing a bit. At least the first one does. Not like really guessing, but. It it does a good job of making you feel like the main character yeah, that it isn't really does. a bad guy feels. Um, it's also one of those lower budget things that would have been worse if they had a bigger budget for it. Yeah. Um, and then it's followed up with Creep 2, which is just fun. It really is. I mean, I would define, I would describe both of them as like, feel good movies but they're also yeah. horror films <laughs> yeah it's really weird that yeah it's hard to explain but it's like the first time i saw the first creep it ended and i was like so happy 
<laughs> yeah, they make me happy. Yeah. Even though they I'm unsettled. like, murdery movies. <laughs> yeah, I'm unsettled, but I'm also like, wow. Like, <clears throat> good job. Good for you. Yeah. Um, um, I... Go on. I, I think... I think the sequel makes me look back at the first one with more love for the Uh character than I had when I finished the first one. That makes sense. Just because I'm not, I I love that I'm going out of my way not to spoil this, but (laughs) they're both, they're both kind of documentary style sort of, Um, but the second one is very much a documentary about this guy. Right. Yeah. The guy that and like becomes. the filming of, yeah, <laughs> um, and it makes me love his character so much more. Like in the first one, I was like, "Oh, you weirdo!" In the second one, I'm like, "Aw, you weirdo!" Um, <laughs> no, yeah, you still want to hang out with him. <laughs> I mean, no, because maybe not I don't on a want... one in one situation. <laughs> yeah, but like it, he'd be so interesting if he was a real person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark Duplass, so good. Ugh. I love him. I, was, I hate football, but I loved the league. I have never really seen that, but I watched Togetherness. Um, uh-huh. Did you ever watch that? Um, I do not think so. I think It's an HBO show for two seasons where he's married no. to Melanie Linsky, who I love. Um, and so it's basically like him and his wife, Melanie Linsky, they have couple problems and then mm-hmm. uh his friend and um it's like his friend and maybe her sister who is Amanda Pete and his friend yeah. is played by um this other guy friend of his that's been his friend since like his uh extreme indie days yeah. I have no idea what his name is but he's in the movie Baghead which is like one of Mark Duplass's first movies um <clears throat> Um, yeah, I think the first one, like, like you said, it puts you in the position of, uh, Patrick. What's his name? Patrick? His real name is Patrick Bryce, I think. I don't know, but he's, he's stereotypical hipster. Yeah, he's like a hipster filmmaker. So it kind of puts you in his position. Like, what would you do in this position? You meet a strange guy, you're making a movie, this guy is kind of giving weird vibes, but you're not sure... If he's just a but weird... you think he, yeah, that? you think something's you think you think he's nearing the end of his life and there's a reason for him acting yes, this way exactly because he tells you that he's dying of cancer and so you're making a movie for his family yeah um and that as it goes on it almost puts you into the place of a woman much like ourselves that mm-hmm. meet a guy. And you're trying to be nice because the guy has all these excuses for why they're acting weird. Um, Yeah. And it's kind of like the movie, the movie's um, sort of, I guess, motto by the end should be fuck politeness. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, as soon as he pulled out peaches, I'd be gone and moving to a different state. I find myself humming the little song. Like I'll be cooking dinner and I'll be like, no, that's not actually something I want to think about right now. Why am I humming that? That's horrifying. 
Yeah, that um, was a little bit of a, like, pre-ejaculate of reveal. <laughs> yeah. I am a oh, wordsmith. God. Um, they, oh, God. They did when that he's a little too the mask. early. <laughs> yeah, but, like, when he's wearing the mask and, like, gyrating against the door, and it should be funny, but instead it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah. It does a really good job of putting you in the place behind the camera while making you feel safe because you know the face of the person behind the camera. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, he does some weird shit. That thing was like the only thing from probably the first 50% of the movie that was like instant, like, nope, nope, nope. Mm -hmm. Because he does other weird stuff, but it's sort of only... Only slightly weird, but to the point where you still have a sort of sense of safety. Yeah. Um, but that's a get the fuck out of there. Yeah, that was a little, that was a little, a little much. But I mean, other than that, I think it's really you can kind of understand how you'd get to this place in knowing someone, especially if you're a big tall guy going to meet another guy. Um, mm-hmm. Especially when they tell you they have cancer, you know. they He does all this stuff to sort of put him at ease. And... Yeah. Yeah, so it's one thing, a masterful sort of uh, drawing of a psychopath. <laughs> That's not too much of a spoiler to say that he's a psychopath. But it also no, is like... especially uh, since there's two of them. And on Netflix, you see his face on both of the, the little title screens. That's true. Um... And it also was, like, really realistic in a way to where you could end up in this situation. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not like a situation where it's, like, totally un- unbelievable. Like, you're continuously, like, putting a summer camp up where there previously was, like, five massacres. <laughs> yeah. No, this is this is more like I could meet this guy on Tinder and not know that he's severely unhinged until, like, the second date. Exactly. It, yeah. And man, I never would have believed that I could, or I never would have believed that Mark Duplass could so convincingly play a psychopath until this movie. <laughs> yeah, he seems so nice. I guess that's why it works. Yeah. I mean, maybe he really is a psychopath and this was him not acting. I guess we'll have to find yeah, out. This is, <laughs> this is the brothers outing, outing him as one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I think Creep has got such a stupid generic name, and I know that the cover is, like, kind of lame. It's just him, like, standing at the top of the stairs. Yeah. Um, I wish they had not done that, because I think that's probably part of why, uh, not a lot of people have seen this. I mean... Well, I didn't, I didn't watch it on Netflix, because the little title screen for it was scary to me because it's like him it looks like a jump scare and I am not down I was <laughs> I'm very rarely down for like jump scary psychopath movies yeah yeah um, I mean I'm down for them but not to the extent that it looked like it was it looked like it was going to be one of those shaky found footage yeah that's the other thing is Ch- found footage turns a lot of people off yeah but, like, most of my favorite movies that have stuck with me are either actual documentaries or are good enough found footage style documentaries that I can kind of pretend 
that they're not like if they weren't usually slightly badly acted at points i wouldn't be able to tell that they weren't real like if i have to google if i have to google is this an actual thing then i like it did Blair Witch come true? Was Blair Witch a true story? <laughs> My Google searches from night or from two thousand. <laughs> That's me with the podcast Limetown because uh, I convinced myself that maybe I actually forgot that some terrible, terrible thing happened, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I uh, also this movie is one of the very few found footage films where it actually makes sense that there's a camera rolling and continuing to roll. Um, yeah, there's so many where they just try to make it work, but it's like, all right, if a psychopath is like chasing you through the woods, they've already killed all your friends. You're not still going to be filming, uh, and you're not going to be filming so well, <laughs> and yeah. you're not going to be like pointing a camera at this guy. Like, ah, uh, man. That's so annoying. It's just like this sort of leap in logic that I can't get behind. <laughs> yeah. And, and Creep, there's an excuse for everything being yeah, filmed. Exactly. And like a good excuse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good. I enjoy that sort of conceit like, used as like a found footage, um, I guess, kind of foundation is that somebody's making a documentary. Um, yeah. Most other things don't really work that well. Yeah. I would agree. Yes. So, I believe that we have reached the end of our thing. It's a very long episode, but thank you. Yeah, we, we did it. <laughs> thank you for listening. Um, I really like the idea of uh, uh, music use in film. That is... Yeah. That is... Uh, that's unique, and also I'm going to have to, like, really, really think about it. Uh, I don't have anything, like, I don't have many things off the top of my head for that one, as I do with other topics. Yeah. Cool. It happens right. to be the one where I'm pretty well prepared. Yes. Okay. Well, I will have to think about it. Um, All right. Sounds good. Yes. Thank you for listening, guys, to our extremely long and informative, slightly ranty, rambly on my half, uh, first episode on our next episode we will be doing a crossover with good times great movies a swan song for my old horror podcast sinister sisters with one of my co-hosts from there and with the two of us so that will be out in uh just a few days and good night (laughs) (laughs) sweet dreams don't let the sharks bite (laughs) 